Hello, and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. And now, your host, Norbert Strapler, the CEO of Sync Spider. Hi, this is Norbert from the Ecom Ops podcast. Nice to have you here, Rishi. Nice, uh, uh, nice, to, nice to be here, Norbert. Nice to meet yeah, you great. as well. Yeah, <laughs> great. Um, thank you so much for joining our podcast. It's one of the very first uh, interviews that we are doing. Um, I found your profile on LinkedIn, um, and uh, you are the founder of the Underground Printing. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Underground Printing, yep. That's cool. Can you tell me a bit more about your business, what you are doing? Yeah, absolutely. So we started, my partner, uh, Ryan, Greg, and I started Underground Printing. Uh, we grew up together, um, uh, went through middle school and high school, and then eventually came to college together. And uh, we were both engineers and thought we were going to be engineers and uh, realized very quickly that we didn't love engineering. Um, but through a series of uh, uh, interesting things that happened, uh, on campus and, and kind of getting into it, uh, a car breaking down my, my beloved Ford probe, uh, first car I ever bought broke down, met somebody, learned about t-shirts, knew a little bit about it from the past and, uh, found ourselves in selling custom printed t-shirts. So unlike the normal t one-off shirt you would buy online or in a store, we, started making shirts for groups and student groups and organizations and small businesses on campus. And at the time, uh, it was really, uh, you know, there was no e-commerce involved with it. It was essentially just commerce. It was just hustling around campus and uh, slinging shirts, as we used to call it. So um, we would meet you where you where you wanted to meet in the union, in the league, wherever it would be. And, uh, and it, interact with you there and then, and then deliver your shirts to you. So that's how we got started. And along the way, uh, we stuck with it, you know, went through school, uh, and then decided we still liked it and found a little niche. Um, we actually started, uh, opening up retail locations on, on campus, uh, and on, on campuses throughout the country, throughout the U S. Um, and we, uh, at that time, interestingly enough, even though we're on the e-commerce tops podcast, uh, we actually sort of shunned e-commerce. At that time, you know, it was about 2004, 2005, um, and uh, you know, everyone was going online. We really uh, we we found that oh well, you know, everyone's there. We're late to the game, but we always thought like physical stores were cool. I, don't worry, I promise I'll come back around e-commerce later. So, you know, we always thought no that problem. physical stores were, were really cool. And so we, we thought, okay, well, everyone's going online. We were having a great success finding locations and landlords that were willing to give, you know, 22, 21, 22-year-olds a shot, which never was the case before. Um, and then we would open up in those locations. Uh, and we were just still at the time selling custom printed apparel. So it was a destination. So if someone walked in, they would want to purchase a single shirt and be like, no, 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 you can't buy that shirt on the wall. 
you have to order, you know, but you can order it for your group. And they're like, oh, but I want that shirt right there. It's like, oh, no, no, that's a sample. But you could order this other thing for your your family reunion or whatever it might be. So it was a little bit of a learning curve in in creating and designing our stores. Um, And in that, we realized that uh, we had to do a better job in educating the experience with our locations. And so we started selling single shirts like a collegiate shirt like a Michigan or Michigan State or Indiana or a local pride shirt like the state we were in or the town we were in because we had these physical locations and people, that was what, how people knew to how to interact with apparel. They wanted to come in they wanted to feel it and touch it and buy it, that, that kind of impulse buy. And so we started to do that so that we could explain what we did rather than awkwardly stand together trying to explain what it was that we did. It also let us interact with our customers frequently on a weekly and monthly uh, basis because they would come through and eventually down the line, they would see us when they needed custom apparel and they would recognize us. And it was because of that retail experience we created as a almost like an explanation piece, uh, a marketing piece, an engagement piece for our customers that we that we delved into e-commerce. Because at that time we were dealing very local, um, but we started to sell shirts uh, online and then or we started to sell shirts in store and then we started to sell shirts online and lo and behold things grew from there so the the roundabout story on where the e-commerce part came from us um, really came through a big circle of understanding what it was that we did and then of course as we all know now uh there's no such thing as just e-commerce all the best D2C e-commerce brands have physical locations and all the best physical locations have e-commerce brands because what we learned uh, over the course of decades is, is that no one purely shops online and no one purely shops in store and you need both to come together. And so I teach a class at Michigan called e-commerce entrepreneurship and I every semester I tell my students one day I'm going to rename this class from e-commerce entrepreneurship to commerce entrepreneurship. Because the fact of the matter is, is if, if you believe that you, oh, I'm just online only, then you're, then you're missing something. And if you're like, oh, I'm local only, then you're missing a big aspect. There's just, that's, that doesn't, the world doesn't work that way anymore. And we're seeing it today as we're recording this in the, in the co in the times of the global pandemic, if you know, it works both ways. It, what what was physical is now you know in store, and what was you know physical is online, and what was online is physical. Absolutely, I, I need to fully agree on that. So we see it also for our customers that um, those who have a point of sale as well, uh, a local point of sale, this simply works best um, uh, every every time because you you have a personal touch to the customers. And just shipping goods um, is, um, yeah, it's also um, a, a strategy. And, and I know that a lot of people have success with that. But um, if, if you have something that you need to see and you need to touch and you need to feel, uh, then a physical store is, is often quite a good, um, uh, a good point to, to start the selling and to learn about your customers as well. 100%. It's, yeah. you know, as you know, there, there are tools to help you learn about your customer. But the discovery is much harder than being with somebody and getting that yeah. real-time feedback uh, as they feel the product or touch the product or experience the product. Um, even just uh, conversing with what their needs are and who they are. Uh, I think we think that we can do this, you know, virtually with, with uh, heavy data and you can, 
but you don't get the direct insight. So, you know, yeah. having both, both aspects is nice. And um, it also offers some credibility, right? Uh, as we know, the reason there's been such a boom, boom is that there's a low barrier to put retail stores and retail outfits online right now. So um, the difference is that, thank you, uh, sorry. Um, the difference is that, uh, that was my wife. We're, we're on different time zones here, so I, I didn't have my coffee. Um, so the difference, of course, is that uh, um, to- totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. This is real time podcasting. This Norbert. is real this time. Is how, That's this cool. is how it's done. We're not we're yeah. not sugarcoating it. So anyway, yeah. so long and short of it is is that I think oh I, I don't know it lends ourselves to credibility. So what I was saying was that what a physical store lets your customers know is you're real. You're there. Yeah. You're, if something goes wrong, they could find you. They could they could reach out to you if they needed to. Um, you're not just a website and face us and could just disappear like that. And that sort of trust, you know, yeah. a lot, all of this world is about trust and credibility and your reputation, yeah. right? And that's what it's, really? a, it's a way to build that. Now, Rishi, tell me what's your e-com stack? What's your tech stack? What do you use? Yes, we are a, you know, our story is that when we first started, so uh, I'll, let me back up in, in the custom printing world, uh, we, we made the decision very early on to build all of our own um, systems. Um, we, you know, one of our first hires was a, uh, was a developer, but not to go online, <laughs> not to, not to do the, the e-commerce play, but to build systems for the production side. Um, and we really iterated from there and to take orders and to remotely take orders. Um, there were no, I mean, there was no SaaS services at that time. We had, you know, nothing exists. The best, the thing that we started out using, uh, was FileMaker and, uh, maybe people don't remember FileMaker. I wouldn't blame them. It's still around, I'm sure. But, uh, it's still around. We still have, we still see customers with FileMaker. Yeah. uh, FileMaker, right? Still a great tool. It's still a great tool. But of course that was the old school, you need, you needed licenses and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, we had one license of FileMaker. We weren't going to buy you know, one for each store. So, you know, people would write their orders and fax them, you know, and we would take them by fax and then type them into the FileMaker system. And it was, it was fine, but it, it wasn't going to take us to the next level. And so we built that. Um, and when we started building online e-commerce, we took the same approach. We're like, we know how to, we can build stuff. We want to do it ourselves. And so of course we started out that way, uh, building our own uh, e-commerce stores. And one of the big beliefs that I had here in America, obviously, there's a huge uh, sports culture and uh, a very big collegiate sports culture. And so we wanted to make sure that each of our locations that served a different college campus felt unique and that the online e-commerce site also felt unique. Right. So we were building unique individual sites for each location we had um, Indiana, North Carolina, uh, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, whatever it was. And uh, what we came across very quickly is that we are not a tech company. Uh, We can iterate fast enough to keep up with things. If we had a product that, uh, you know, blew up, I use air quotes, which your listeners won't be able to see, but if we had a product that quote unquote blew up, even if it didn't really in today's day and age, you know, our systems couldn't handle it. And it was hard to be great at all these different things. We were not great at that. And so we made the decision um, many years ago now, but, you know, at that time, which I think was pretty novel, was to switch and move over and we started using Shopify. Um, And we haven't looked back from then. So we've been a Shopify user for 
10 years, you know, a long time right now and iterated along with them. Um, and really, uh, utilize, you know, we feel, we feel that our places, um, to allow, you know, these, uh, an e-commerce SaaS platform to exist on that end and to really use the, the API and app in- infrastructure to build that out. You know, the, the tech stack, so to speak, it's really hard to differentiate yourself by the technology online anymore. Um, unless that's core to what you sell, it becomes difficult. If you're selling apparel, you know, unless you just created the, the way to virtually size everybody and magically, like, it's, you know, there's not much that is going to, you're going to build that is going to take it to the next level from a straight tech standpoint is, is kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, absolutely. Fully need to agree. Uh, Shopify, do you, do you have any apps installed on Shopify that, that you need, uh, to extend it or is it just as is? Uh, you know, we, we definitely, we have some private apps we've built. Um, yeah. so we call it, we have things like called smart pull. So we, so because we have, you know, we, we had a lot multi-location before Shopify had, had integrated locations into mm-hmm. their platform. Um, we had multi-location before most third-party services, uh, SaaS services, inventory-based services had that in there, the ones that we all know about. Um, and so, uh, interestingly enough, uh, we had to build that ourselves. And so we, our system is called smart pull and it looks to, uh, the SKU and then looks to within our own infrastructure, looks to where, uh, you know, where the different things are located and then, uh, doesn't let you go too far in because of course we have physical stores. So we don't want to run into the, the, you know, someone buying something in real time while someone's buying something online. And so we always give the stores buffer. So that was all built privately. Um, but of course, apps have gotten a lot better and similar to the smartphone ecosystem, you know, where, you know, where we oftentimes find that people build apps for the iOS ecosystem and then iterate from there. Of course, I think we find that people build things for the Shopify ecosystem and then iterate from there as well. So you oftentimes get the best, you know, the best of the Shopify, uh, best of the app world in Shopify. And yeah, there are some that are super integral that we would, that we install in everything, whether it's. SaaS third-party systems that uh, you know you can use standalone, but work with Shopify. So we're ShipStation. You know we use ShipStation, so that's our go-to there. Um, or whether it's just you know uh, things as simple as um, affiliate marketing. Uh, you know, affiliate Lee is one that we use from time to time. Whether it's password protection, whether it's uh, order limiting. You know, um, we oftentimes have uh, we have, we we actually have an online group ordering platform that we created, uh, that we're, we're using quite a bit right now. And that's built on the Shopify, um, mainframe, but with heavy, with a heavy interface on our side. So we have our own interface on their interface. We use them to do the e-commerce the, and the, the heavy lifting on the bandwidth side. And then the customization we kind of do on our side. So, you know, long story short. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't exist by itself on itself. You know, the key, the beauty of it is, is that you, you use the apps to modify, you know, this, you know, whatever very standard like, you know, cookie cutter type, you know, I guess you could, you could describe it as cookie cutter um, to make it unique to you and to offer the experience that you wanted to use. That's cool. Um, and do you have any other channels than your own e-commerce store as well? So do you have any platforms where you also sell besides yes. Shopify? Yes, absolutely. So we sh- we sell on all the major third-party platforms, um, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, uh, Walmart, whatever. Um, uh, Amazon, of course, being the, the largest that we sell on. Um, and, 
we don't integrate those into Shopify. Um, we, uh, uh, biggest, biggest, just how we have everything built out. It didn't make sense. Um, so, uh, we, we don't have them all tied into one. Um, you do, you know, as you, as you all well know, you lose a little bit of versatility. You use a, you lose a little bit of control when you plug everything into one place, you know, some of the tweaks and you're, you know, you're duplicating a little bit of work, you know, when you do it that way. Um, but there is, I mean, obviously a lot of benefits to using something like a, um, I'll do a quick plug for my friends at Stitch Labs. Um, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Stitch Labs inventory yeah, management sure. system, but um, the founder of Stitch Labs, Brandon Levy, is one of my close friends from college. So that's that's how we do. So we're all spread out all around the country in the conference world. Perfect. And his, so, and, and so we have how a direct create, connection for the next Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll text him right after, you know, even though he's it's 5.30 his time, uh, I'll text him and say, hey, you're going to get an email from, from Norbert. You better uh, Yeah, better sure. That. Absolutely. Very interested in that. <laughs> yeah. Stitch Labs is great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, there are a lot of great tools outside. Um, what, what would you say um, in, in terms of uh, percentage? What, 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 what percentage do you get from your own store compared to the channels? So this is my favorite question yeah. uh, that I have no answer for. For whatever, this is why I'm such a believer in clicks and mortar, omni-channel, whatever you want to call it. I, I you know, I believe that we aren't the business we are right now without e-commerce, but as a function of how it works with our physical stores. And because of that, we never split out, oh, e-commerce versus stores. That was never a focal point for us. And because we never attracted, it, uh, it never became something that we focused on, right? It was like, oh, we need to work on this. We need to work. It all had to work together. It was just sales. And so everything was rooted through online and no, no one was dealing with one aspect in any way by itself. And so, you know, unfortunately, I can't answer that question uh, in, in the way that you're thinking about it. I do know how many people approximately go through the site without, you know, without uh, interacting with a physical person. But it's not very many because uh, we really pride ourselves on that physical interaction because custom apparel is by you know most standards a um kind of a foreign process like if you have not done it then it's not something that's intuitive to you we all have gone maybe with our parents or grandparents and we we shopped you know when from an early age we knew how to purchase something uh and you know nowadays my kids knew how to you know click you know accidentally click and buy something on amazon before they could even do it in store so you know yeah you know it's uh everyone knows how to do that but the custom process is a little bit more, you know, foreign. And so, uh, having someone there to, to reassure you, to talk you through, whether it's in like physically or uh, digitally, um, that your five hundred thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollar purchase, uh, what you know, have some faith in that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's talk about growth. Um, yeah. Do you, do you want to grow any further? Do you want to make the business bigger? Yeah, well, you know, uh, yes, uh, everything has an asterisk right now because we are definitely living in, um, you know, very scary and uh, interesting times. Um, and, you know, so I think, you know, a month ago, you know, I would have had a whole plan, you know, you know, a strategy that we had. But I think the reality is, is um, you know, it's not about the plan. It's about your adaptability. And so right now, you know, I don't, I don't have that answer right now. I mean, yeah. I think that 
right now, we have to focus on getting through the next month, next week, the next month, the next six months, three months, six months, and see how everything plays out yep. in our world, you know, a world without sports, you know, pro sports, college sports, youth sports, a world without events, a world without universities. This is a tough world for us to us to be in, right? So uh, it's a tough world for all of us to be in, but, you know, we find ourselves with our unique set of problems. So, um, you know, when your listeners are listening to this, they're most likely going to be in the same world that we're all living in right now and, and we'll understand. So, you know, I think the question in my mind is not, you know, oh, what's your plan for growth and did you want growth? That used to be the, that used to be the, the conversation. It used to be a question. Yeah. 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 Now it's, um, what is, you know, uh, are we set up to survive and can you be okay with no growth? That's really where, you know, I think we, uh, by virtue of not when we started by virtue of, uh, bootstrapping and going to physical stores when everyone else was scaling online, so to speak, um, we, we learned, we had to, we had to learn the value of, 10, 15% growth, 20% growth year over year. And while we think about that with, you know, multi-billion dollar companies as, as a, oh, wow, that's good. But, you know, when you're a hundred thousand or 300,000 or $500,000 company, 10%, 15% growth is still nothing to sneeze at. When you only sell a million dollars in sales, adding on a hundred thousand seems like the most work in the world. And when you're at $10 million in sales, plugging on another million dollars in sales seems like impossible. Right. And so we had to learn the, 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 the value of 10 and 15% growth before we could grow more than that. And I think that, um, now it's going to be like, can we all sit and be patient and understand that five and 10% growth is really good. And we're, and, uh, be okay with ourselves with that and okay with our company and like proud of our companies. I think a lot of people don't live in that world. They need to see big growth. They need to shoot for the moon and some of them will make it, but especially now with, with uncertainty, it'll be a lot of failure. Yeah. I unfortunately need to agree. This is really something that we are facing here um, as well, that, that I think people really need to learn that um, being more, comfortable with the situation they have instead of thinking about uh, further growth, um, especially during the pandemic, it's not, um, it's not really easy to, to talk about future plans and growth yeah. plans at all, yeah. at all. Does, does yeah. automation play any, any role in your company? So is automation important for you? Yeah. What, what do you automate? We do. We do for sure. We've gotten yeah. better at it. We are not at a level of, um, expertise and in complexity as I, you know, I think some had it where they have just these fully thought out drip campaigns. And it is because we have these physical locations and physical people. And we were never designed to be a prototypical e-commerce company where, you know, a, a minimal number of people on the back end can service a maximum number of people on uh, customers, right? Um, so, so that was second, uh, to us learning how to build out, uh, a store and locations infrastructure. Um, but we, we definitely are automating a lot more, um, through, uh, through both from a marketing standpoint, more from a, uh, because our, our order process is over the course of, you know, five to 10 business days, it involves talking with our customers throughout it order confirmation, art approval, garment approval, all of that stuff throughout. So you, you don't place your order. You're not done. Oh, shirts have arrived, right? It's still a process. We liken 
our business more to wedding planning than it is uh, buying a t-shirt. Because yeah. the reality is, is we all want the same goal, but we need your help to get us there. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not the most int, uh, it's not the most important thing that you're going to do. Uh, getting married is, or the event that you're going is, but it's very, like, it's very important, right? <laughs> like, like, it's like, you're not going to look at it as very important. So because I of that. I can fully feel with you, Richie. I can fully feel right. with you because exactly. uh, I, I come from a marketing agency and um, we, 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 in the marketing agency, we also produced uh, custom uh, uh, textiles yeah. for, for customers. Yes. And I know what my colleagues had pain with that, finding the right material, yeah, talking sure. to the customers back and forth, back and forth until you finally have the order and then you need to fulfill it and find the right the printing technology and so on. So it's really well, and Mark and Mark is a great point, right? It's, it's yeah. service based, right? So here's yeah, the thing absolutely. is, is that we are more a service based company than we are a retail based company. That's the reality of it. Um, but yet it's a, the, 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 the retail aspect, the part that we're selling is why that we're, we're giving that service. Same with marketing, right? You know, you're coming up with some sort of asset, but the interaction, the service you're providing is the, that's the secret sauce. Either you do that well, or you don't do that well. The customer may or may not like what it looks like in the end. Right. So, you know, I think that, uh, when we, when we look at that process, the automation has been in the transaction through that process, following up, confirm your address because we're going to be shipping 500 shirts. And do you know what day it's coming? You know, we think about that a lot is like some people are like, Oh, if it gets there early, it's great. Well, when you're shipping 20 boxes, getting there early may not be great. You know, you may not be ready to receive 20 boxes of shirts or whatever it might be. Right. So that communication process throughout the order, forget about following up after or getting the order, like in that two-week span, automation has been key. Um, and it's taken a lot because we want, we feel like we are going to add more value if we're doing things each time. Like, oh, but I know this, but I know this person needs to do this. So I need to type this email out myself and getting your head out of that and understanding that consistency and, and the process is more important uh, to some degree. And if you can marry the two automation plus value add, then that's even better. Right. So, um, that's really what we've, what we've been working on, um, in automation, but yeah, even though the marketing piece and then the follow-up piece after automation is, uh, is a big part of what we do. And, and then there's a ton of apps that we're really interested in. I'm definitely, uh, what's the, you know, we're, I'm sure, you know, others, we're seeing a lot of success with a spin to win campaign. We really like that. Um, we, uh, We've, we've been using a, an affiliate, like a very simple, easy, free affiliate tracking app, Affiliately, as we've been doing a, a lot of uh, COVID-19 fundraising. So allowing businesses to track their sales, which we, we came up with the idea, ran with it and plugged in the app and ran right away in the man, you know, created the system in the process in a matter of hours. And that's not something that you would, you know, you could do without an, uh, you know, the app infrastructure of Shopify. Right. So, um, uh, utilizing, um, you know, turning, you know, turning, uh, different parts of the country or different parts of the world on or off based off of whether they're actually, you know, working or not working right now, or, or, you know, shelter at home or whatever it might be. Um, that type of tracking has, has been, uh, has been really you know helpful. And I think the other thing that we're trying to get more disciplined about is 
there's so many apps out there and you add them on and then sometimes you just don't use them. Um, and it is really having the discipline saying like, okay, I'm not using this. Like, oh, but you know, you collected this data for three months. It's like, you can do that for a lot of things. And if, so if you're not actively using it, you got to have the ability to cut it off and move on to the next thing, you know, and maybe you're just not ready at that time to be taking snapshots of customers as they use their thing. I mean, it's like, that's beautiful. And I love to do it, but like, you know, with, with limited resources, like watching a cursor move around the screen, like it's really hard to get, you know, you need to have, uh, you need to have the ability to do that. So, you know, uh, not to call out any, any companies that provide that service the heat maps and things like that are great, but you know, it's really a question of whatever apps and things that you're using, are you actually analyzing it and, and getting something out of it? If not, it may not be worth it. Okay. So, um, Let's talk about. Let's get. I don't. Do we do we talk? Do we talk enough ops? I, yeah, I feel like I'm not talking enough ops right now. I do like that. No, I no, like that spin that's, about that's, your podcast. No, that's really yeah, important. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, it's it's not everything is not about ops here. So um, I think uh, it's it's good to talk about um, how how you run your business because this okay. is important for our listeners to to really uh, see other e-commerce store owners and and see also. The, the connection between all those different systems you are using. You, you, your focus is, is, yeah, is at the point of sale, is talking to people, is uh, yeah. the real interaction with, with people. And this is so important. Uh, I, I read a story about, um, uh, about a big, big marketplace um, where, they, where they have um, their, the most success came through the personal support they give to people when they have problems, when they ask And uh, this is so important. Um, yeah. In any case, even here at Sync Spider, when we when we have support requests, we really try to be fast and to answer fast. Yeah. Um, if, if, even if the, the the answer is not the right at the moment, um, mm -hmm. uh, that that really helps. But people yeah. know that there are other people there, and they are willing to help. And this yeah. is, I think, um, one one of the most important things. Uh, but let's talk about um, ops. Did, did, did you talk with your team, with your developers already? What is planned for this year? What what new uh, ways <laughs> do you want to go? Or do you say no, uh, pandemic, Let, everything stopped? Let's talk about, actually, let's switch it. And let, so, yes, there's a plan. It's gone. Cool. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. yeah. There was a plan. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I, you know, you asking me about what that plan was feels like years ago. I don't even, I can't even, yeah. it's only been a month. Yeah. I can't even think back to that part. How did you change like, the plan? How did yeah, you exactly. That, that's what I would question. focus on is, yeah. is that um, we have never been, you know, I, I was a chemical engineer. I was not a CSE. Yeah, okay, cool. um, my partner, uh, when he was an engineer, was a civil engineer. And then he graduated in econ. You know, so we, I've never grown up in a, I don't, I don't know a, a tech world, you know, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, the cool layouts and the planning and the project, project planning. And I know all the tools out there, all the Asanas and Trellis and what everybody's using. Uh, yeah. But I don't, I don't actually know that. I know what we know, you know, I know how we do things. And so what I would say we're really good at is reacting. Uh, what we're from a, from a tech standpoint, from a development standpoint, what we have a lot of work to do is planning and forecasting and, and especially the long tail as we add stuff into projects all the time. But what we are really good at is reacting. So at the time at which a lot of things started to change, we realized two things. When, when we started 
you know, we, we, we were originally not really a work from home setup company and we've kind of, you know, switched out to that as much as we can. And with our development team, what really uh, we decided was, is like what we need to focus on the things that are going to have the most impact right now, which is the, uh, the website, e-commerce, how to, how to uh, we expedited and pushed up projects that we, you know, had on the docket, but, you know, were lower priority at a time, downgraded projects that were, you know, seemed to be very important in the past and now we're not as important. Um, uh, reprioritized, changed, you know, how we were working on things. Uh, specifically, I mentioned this online uh, online group orderings platform we have called POCO. Uh, if you go to our website, it's very prevalent at undergroundshirts.com, but you can also go to pogo.undergroundshirts.com. And uh, it's there for online group ordering purposes. It's the one that is like a heavy build on top of Shopify that I was talking about. Um, a lot of integrations and API. And we had a whole slew of, um, nice to have features that our customers have been asking for, but weren't integral to the operations. And in this world of virtual events and fundraisers, you know, this is a big area. This is an area that we can actually help and service our customers and provide value to them where our physical locations don't really help that much right now. Um, so we fast tracked a lot of our nice to have features in that. And we're still continuing to work on those right now. And seeing benefits from it, you know, right off the bat or, or fast tracking, um, you know, even just some UX stuff that normally, you know, would get pushed off to the side and it was like, all right, we'll deal with it when we deal with it. It's like, you know, we've gone back to a mentality where everyone's focal point is selling, you know, at some, at some core level. Um, and, you know, I think we're pretty good about always having that, but, you know, we deviate based off of project and stuff like that, but times like now really help you focus back on that. It's like, you know, that, um, that, that one customer is very, very important. Don't forget about that. And that's really that it, their experience and their happiness and their ability to come back and, and trust you as a, as a company is, is what everyone's focal point should be. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, my last question for today, Richie. Richie, uh, is uh, who has taught you most about e-commerce in your career, and what did you learn? Oh man, that's a tough. That's a tough question. Yeah, I don't know that any one. That's a that's a really tough question. <laughs> I I I didn't learn e-commerce from anybody. I only yeah. we only learned by doing, and yeah. I. And I'd love to tell you, it was like, oh, uh, it's only been a couple of years, but you know, I, I graduated college and we started this company uh, almost two decades ago. So I've been doing this a long time and I'm definitely a, I'm definitely a person that likes this area. I like marketing. I like e-commerce. I like this area. So even uh, I can do all this myself. I can go into the back end. I can set up all the apps. I do that. And I like that. Now, that also is a limiting factor in terms of growth and scale, in terms of integrating other people, but I like this so much. So I would I would say it is not a person that I've learned from. It is doing, right? So, yeah. the, you know, the reality is, is that um, actually, you know, propping up a store and selling something, just setting it up and doing it, even if you sell literally nothing, is going to take you further than most people will ever get in, you know, in business. And 
you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I teach a class in e-commerce entrepreneurship and the, and we're closing in on the end of the semester right now at, at U of M and it's all virtual and online, but the final project is actually a e-commerce platform, a store that's up that I can transact with. And uh, I, I'm sh- I'm some of the students I'm sure are like no, not they're not selling and they're not going to sell anything with it. But going through the exercise, setting up the store, writing out a description, and then having to think about it and actually like, right, how do I write this description well? Um, you know, integrating an app, writing an email blast, uh, but actually make not just typing up the copy, but actually formatting it in Mailchimp or MR or whatever you use. That's a skill set in and of itself by itself. And like, if you can take that far, then you're going to get further than most people will, will take it. Right. So, or those that initially start out raising money and hire, 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 hire people here, hire people there. There's just nothing that replaces doing things. Um, And uh, so, you know, maybe this is a cop-out answer, but there's not a singular person uh, that I learned the most from e-commerce for that has all been by, subscribing to newsletters and email blasts and Twitter and, and, and following a a wide variety of people and absorbing and doing and and learning and messing up and failing. I will get open. Yeah, exactly. Being open to new input. I will give a shout out, however, to the very first lesson I learned in business from my dad, uh, who is a, um, uh, the, 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 my dad is a professor of chemical engineering. Uh, that's why I thought I was going to be a chemical engineer. I only learned later on that my dad was an entrepreneur. I just didn't know that. I thought it was chemical engineering, and that's what I thought was really cool. But my, my dad's one of his first like lesson points to Ryan and myself was cash is king. Cash flow is the is the most important thing. And you know, I think it's very you know uh, whatever cliche. I'm raising money, this that other thing. But I think in today. In the world we live in today, uh, that rings true once again. And it's one of those like lessons that you very easy to forget, but always comes back to haunt you or to, to be a big benefit to you is, is that, you know, making money makes a difference. Unit economics makes a difference and cash is king. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Rishi, thank you. It It was really great. Yeah, Yeah, it was really fun. fun. Um, Sorry for the the interruptions in the middle. No problem. So this was real. This was real. And this is what I like. I like to be real. Um, Yeah, I wish you good luck with your company. Absolutely. Good luck with during the pandemic. So hopefully everything... Good, and great. I wish you the best everyone. luck with this podcast. I Thank also am a, I have a, I started a podcast. That was one of my new endeavors uh, in the last year as I started a podcast. So I know how difficult it is, how uh, rewarding it is, and but how difficult it is. So good luck. And uh, Thank you very much. If I can help with anything else, let me know. Yeah, thank you very much. Talk All right. soon. Take um, care. The intro with uh, Stitch Lab. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll do yeah, that. Thank you. <laughs> so... Uh, We'll, 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 we'll make that connect for sure. Perfect. So you okay. will hear that soon. Thank you. Take care. Um, so this was the Ecomop podcast, first episode. Have a great time. And thank you for listening. Talk soon. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, 
and review. Until next time.